we're on a mission to help women get healthy for good. Join me each week for a new episode that'll help you sustain healthy habits and nourish your body so you can flourish in life. When it comes to nutrition, does it feel like you know what to do, you're just not doing it? Or maybe you find yourself stuck in this annoying all or nothing cycle. If it sounds like I'm reading your diary, well, that was my diary for a while too. And it's also the story of the thousands of women I've personally coached. That's why I created Flourish, the nutrition and body image support app made for women. If you recognize that diets don't work, but just not dieting isn't helping you feel your best either, download Flourish today. Your first live session with one of our credentialed nutrition and psychology experts is totally free, no credit card required. From there, you'll continue your journey with personalized accountability and support so that once you graduate from Flourish, you'll never need another nutrition program again. So head to the show notes and download Flourish for iOS or Android today. You're listening to the Nutritional Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Claire Siegel, registered dietitian, founder of Nutritional Freedom, and total stationary nerd who's sharing episodes each week to help you ditch diets and get healthy for good. We'll dive into what really works when it comes to creating sustainable nutrition and health habits, ways to improve your body image, and how all of this helps you live a life that's in alignment with your values. Because that's what really matters, right? Let's dive in. Well, hey there. Welcome to episode two of the Nutritional Freedom Podcast. I am so glad that you made your way here. I am a little bit excited, a little bit nervous about today's episode because I'm going to be sharing my story. So things are getting pretty personal on today's episode, but it is not without reason. So let me explain Kind of the two primary reasons I feel like it's really important for me to share my story, especially, you know, early on in the podcast journey. So, first of all, I know that many of us, many of you listening, may be suffering in silence when it comes to your challenges with food or your body. And I know this because I did. And, you know, I hear that in the stories of our clients as well. And, you know, when I was going through my struggles, I felt so ashamed of myself and the challenges I was going through and just everything. It was just really like shrouded in shame. But the thing is, shame really fizzles out in the midst of connection. So in The Gifts of Imperfection, which is a fabulous read by Brene Brown, she writes, shame hates it when we reach out and tell our story. It hates having words wrapped around it. It can't survive being shared. Shame loves secrecy. The most dangerous thing to do after a shaming experience is hide or bury our story. When we bury our story, the shame metastasizes. So in one of the first group calls in our foundations program, which is our virtual nutrition and mindset coaching program, we go around the room and every woman shares the story of her body and her relationship to food. And it's this really beautiful and also brave and vulnerable way to kick off, you know, what goes on to be a really life-changing experience. 
And one of the many reasons we do this is to combat that shame that so many of our clients come into the program experiencing. And we find that in order to move forward in a really positive way, we have to help our clients lift that fog of shame that they're experiencing around what they've been through and what they're currently going through. So my hope is that by sharing my experience with dieting and body image struggles that you on the other end of this feel seen and heard and understood in a way that can hopefully lift some of that shame. And maybe you'll feel empowered to share your story with someone who has earned the right to hear it, as as Brene Brown says, or maybe you'll seek out a community like Nutritional Freedom where you can really feel safe to do so. So my second reason for sharing my story is really that I want you to know that if you are struggling, and it does not matter how long you've been struggling, I want you to know that there is a way out and that your situation is not a foregone conclusion and you don't have to settle with those struggles, that you can really grow through them and come out on the other side feeling really proud of everything that you've experienced and the way that you've handled it and the way that you've shown up for yourself. All right? So with that in mind, let's go way back because My story, like many of you, I'm sure, started when I was really young because I grew up as a chubby kid. I was in a larger body and I remember getting made fun of for my size. So I have this distinct memory from sixth grade and there was an eighth grade, I was on the school bus and there was an eighth grade boy at the front and he was already a troublemaker because if you... I don't know if this is the same way for everyone, but certainly in Texas, um, at least in Houston, you know, you kind of sit younger kids in the front, older kids in the back. And the only reason an older kid would sit up front is if the bus driver, you know, if you were in trouble with the bus driver. So this troublemaker eighth grade kid, I remember he was sitting up front and he with the sixth graders and he made a comment about my double chin and he um, compared me to Miss Piggy. And now I know my older, wiser self knows that Miss Piggy is completely fabulous. But at the time, I remember just feeling so hurt and again, so ashamed of of who I was and, and how I looked. Okay. So aside from struggling with how other people saw me, I also, like I said, really struggled with how I saw myself. And I recall, I I think I may hold a world record for number of breakdowns in a limited two dressing room. My mom would take me shopping and it every time we would go shopping, it was like a recipe for disaster. And I would always end up crying about, you know, the way clothes looked on me or the fact that, you know, certain jeans wouldn't fit. And so my mom has been thin her whole life and she's also a CPA. And I mentioned that because I think it provides some additional context into the way her brain works. So for her, you know, one plus one equals two. And when I was crying over my size or clothes not fitting, her very logical brain would say, you know, Claire is sad because she thinks she's too big. If she lost weight, she wouldn't be hurting so much. To lose weight, one must eat less and move more. So let me figure out how I can help Claire eat less and move more so she can lose weight and be in less pain. And that, my friends, is how I ended up on Weight Watchers by the time I was about 13, which, you know, set off a decade or more really of, of dieting. And, 
you know, that was just the beginning going to those Weight Watchers meetings. I remember being, you know, the youngest person in the room by, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, getting weighed in in public, writing down all my points in the little pamphlets, like the the whole thing. This was way back before it was, you know, WW online, da 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 da. I remember as the years went on, I remember one time I got dropped off at Driver's Ed and I snuck over to the drugstore around the corner and bought green tea diet pills. And then in high school, I was working at a bookstore in um, West Houston, this little tiny shop, Blue Willow Bookshop, shout out. (laughs) And I remember sneaking uh, the South Beach Diet book with my employee discount. I remember feeling like, oh, this must be it. It must be the carbs. I went on to do juice cleanses and keto and like all of these, you know, unfounded seven-day diets that you'd read about in magazines that are just completely ridiculous. And then there were other times as I progressed that I would just try to eat as little as possible. And this continued through college and my journey to become a registered dietitian, which, if I'm being honest, was really motivated in large part by my desire to kind of, quote unquote, solve what I perceived as my own weight problem. And as time went on, I finally reached this like low point with dieting. I was restricting my calories and really rigidly counting my macros. So I was weighing and portioning everything. I was tracking everything I ate in my fitness pal and I was working out like six times a week really intensely. And for me, food and exercise existed in this like transactional relationship, almost as if they were currencies. I felt like I needed to pay for my food with exercise Or I would punish myself with exercise when I'd have these out of control moments with food. Because on many weekends, I would, you know, lose control. You can't see me, but I'm doing air quotes here. And I would kind of lose control and eat until I felt physically uncomfortable, stuffed, bloated, nauseous, sometimes in pain. And usually this would happen, like I said, on the weekends, at restaurants, or at home, like late at night after drinks with friends. So at some point in this journey, I hit my goal weight. I was the smallest I'd ever been in my adult life. I was at a point in my body that I thought all my problems would go away because that's you know what we tell ourselves about weight loss. And yet I was still really insecure in my body and, and who I was as a person. I still had all these thoughts about how you know guys didn't like me because of my size and I would never get a boyfriend looking the way I looked and I was worried that I wasn't skinny enough to be a dietitian and I was always worried about how people were going to perceive me and my career based on how I looked. And I just really had so many moments where I questioned my worth. I didn't know my value and really didn't have a strong purpose outside of my my body outside of the way I looked and outside of really trying to control all of that. So I kept dieting, you know, past my goal weight, but eventually the weight loss slowed and started to reverse despite those continued efforts. So in the midst of all these damaging psychological effects of dieting, I started to experience the damaging physical effects as, you know, I had this evidence that my metabolic rate was starting to slow. And it's so interesting because I was so used to the insecurity, the food guilt, the anxiety, and the shame that dieting brought on that it really took that physical change to open my eyes. So at that point, you know, I was kind of recognizing like enough is enough. I have to do something different. I'm tired of battling my body. And, And there was just something in me that knew that the path I was on was not healthy and wasn't right for me. And so I made two, I guess what I know now, 
you know, as two very interesting choices. Um, so I read the intuitive eating book and I read it starts with food, which is kind of the prequel to the whole 30 movement. And this starts, I would say my very slow journey to, to non-dieting. So I did my first whole 30 and I think of this as a, a pivotal moment. And it was, I would say a few steps forward and also one step back. So After that experience, I started eating intuitively, at least in the terms of the amount of food. So I was able to stop tracking. And over the next few years, I continued to make a lot of progress in my self-confidence and my relationship to food, you know, eating what I wanted to eat, when I wanted to, and really learning to listen to my body and learn to respect it through food. But what happened next in my reaction is such a clear example of how this work is not always linear. Okay. So Again, fast forward a few years, and in 2017, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And this is really where I start to see kind of the one step back of the whole 30 coming to light. So I got this diagnosis, um, and we can do an entire episode about this if this is something y'all are interested in in hearing about, because it, you know, certainly part of my, my life today. But in the midst of, you know, of course, the fear and unknown of getting, you know, a an autoimmune diagnosis, I noticed some underlying food fears starting to bubble up. And once again, I started to look at my body and my weight as a problem, even though this never came up in a single discussion with the doctor I chose or any doctor I spoke to along the way. So I think in all, like I said, all the fears and unknowns and anxieties surrounding this diagnosis that I in no way expected I almost felt comfort in that reversion back to those old ways of controlling what I thought of as my health because I'd completely conflated health and weight. So my health equals my weight and my weight equals my health. And so when I was going through the process of getting diagnosed with MS, learning more about it, all of these unknowns, all of this anxiety, all of this fear it was really comfortable for me to go back to those more familiar anxieties around my weight. All right. Fortunately, I was able to snap out of this really quickly as I I did notice myself and I was able to catch myself kind of slipping back into those old thought patterns that I knew from my experience, I really did want to leave behind. So I was able to really I think show up for myself in that way and practice a lot of awareness first and recognize like Hey, Claire, you're having some kind of toxic thoughts right now about your body and you might want to back it up a bit. (laughs) So fortunately, I'd had that experience and could practice that awareness and kind of help myself get get back to my healthier, happier middle ground. So I learned to define my own path to navigate the gray area between, you know, micromanaging my nutrition and health to the point where that was like what my life was all about. That's one end of the spectrum. And then the other end of the spectrum is saying like, screw it and just giving up on all of my health habits and letting this, you know, condition take its course. So I had to, I had to define what that middle ground looks like for me. And I was able to recommit to my health in a way that I'd never really considered before. So for so long, my health habits and the choices I made were all about my physical health which like I said, was all about my appearance. I had totally 
conflated my health and my weight. Even though the habits that, you know, historically I'd engaged in to control my weight were actually really unhealthy for me. So now I had this diagnosis that made me confront my health in a way that was both broader and deeper. All right. So it was broader in the sense that I began to see the ways that my mental, emotional, and spiritual health are just as important as my physical health. And I was able to see firsthand the way they all work together in conjunction. And my understanding of my health was deeper in the sense that I really understood that the pursuit of health, it wasn't just for aesthetics anymore. It wasn't just about my weight. It was about something much more meaningful, my overall quality of life and honestly, my longevity. And I want to pause here and just note that this is true for all of us, whether you have an autoimmune disease or not. And I note this so explicitly because it doesn't need to take a diagnosis to wake up to that and to acknowledge this broad and deep definition of health and act with respect for it, all right? And I realize that chronic disease or not, most of us don't want our lives to revolve around our health. We want to experience vibrant health so that we can experience the rest of our lives more fully and we understand the ways in which maintaining those health habits is in direct service of that, right? And we also want to enjoy our health habits along the way. So I thought I would bring all of this home with some lessons that I've learned along the way, and I hope that they apply to you, whether your story looks like mine or or it doesn't. Okay, so the first is this concept of decoupling weight and health can be extremely useful if you've been struggling for some time and feeling like you are in battle with your body, because I know that that is often how it feels. Like I said, at my lowest weight, I was the least healthy mentally and physically, and I was also more insecure than I have ever been. And this new perspective, this idea of separating your weight and your health can really open up to new approaches that support that broader, deeper understanding of what health is and the kind of how behind that decoupling and that separation and what to do about it, that's something that we explore really deeply and hands-on with our clients. So the second lesson, and this is a really big one, so I hope you let it sink in for a second. This is, if there's something that you're doing for your physical health and it comes at the price of your mental health, it is likely too expensive. So for me, counting calories, tracking my macros, weighing my food, all of that, all of those habits that I was engaged in on behalf of my physical health, or at least that's how I saw it at the time, they absolutely cost me my peace. And now I can see that there is nothing that I would do now to sacrifice my peace, my mental peace and my mental calm. All right? Number three. You can't hate yourself healthy. The way I see it, self-love, self-acceptance, and self-respect are far better fuel for a health journey 
than self-loathing ever will be. My decade of dieting, as as I now call it, was 100% motivated by self-loathing. I wanted to change myself through diets so that I could accept myself. Whereas now, and in light of the MS diagnosis, and you know, in light of my history, my pursuit of health and my health habits are all done out of a deep love and respect for myself. And it feels better. I actually enjoy the things I do when it comes to my health. And I'm far more consistent in them. Like I said, I would have those weekends where I was just out of control with food, eating way past the point of fullness, and and then engaging, you know, then just feeling so much guilt afterwards. And that is not something I've experienced in years. So there's a real health benefit to this work. It's not just because it feels good. It's so important, all right? Which brings us to number four. And that is, there is a middle ground between being obsessive about your health and not caring at all, all right? And this is a theme that is going to come up time and time again on this podcast, but I want to just kind of give you a teaser, I suppose. So we talk about supportive structure, right? We, we do need some structure when it comes to our pursuit of health. It is really difficult to kind of wrap your hands around if you're just looking at it as this like free-for-all. So we talk in Nutritional Freedom about a supportive structure. And what that means is structure that implements self-care, self-discipline, and self-compassion, all right? And these are incredible principles that we'll dig more into in another episode, but I'll say them one more time. Self-care, self-discipline, and self-compassion, all right? So let's go through those lessons one more time before I send you on your way. Number one, decoupling weight and health can give you new perspective and open you up to a new way of approaching your health. Number two, if your pursuit of physical health costs you your mental health, it is too expensive. Number three, you cannot hate yourself healthy. Self-love, self-acceptance, and self-respect are far better fuel for a health journey. And number four, there is a middle ground between being obsessive about your health and not caring at all. And that involves implementing what we call a supportive structure. All right. That is my story, folks. (laughs) If this resonates with you, I would love to hear from you. Feel free to send me a DM on Instagram at Claire underscore Siegel. That's probably the best way to reach me. Again, I know how lonely it can feel to struggle with food or to struggle with your body, but I've been there and I know so many of us have been there as well. So if you enjoyed today's episode, I would so appreciate it if you left us a review on iTunes, if you subscribed and even shared with a friend. This podcast journey is already so much fun, and I know it's just going to continue to get better and better from here. So if you have episodes or topics that you want to hear, again, DM me on Instagram. I would love to to hear from you and to know how I can support you through the podcast and, and through anything else. So I hope you have a great day. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next week. Bye.